0: Welcome to Women in Construction, proudly sponsored by Big Doug, the UK's leading storage experts. From garage shelving to industrial racking, office chairs, desks and packing, they've got it covered. Visit BigDoug.co.uk for mega deals and discounts. Thank you for joining us today. You're obviously in the Entrepreneurs and um, Leaders room and this is the Women in Construction room that we run every week. We're talking today about a recruitment lens on DNI and construction, uh, which we're really looking forward to. And as normal, we are proud to be sponsored by the amazing Big Dog. Their link has been shared on the top. Have a look, check them out. They do, I think it's over one hundred and fifty thousand products now. Everything you could ever want to need for your business um, desks storage, that type of thing, right up to being um, racking specialists for large warehouses. So check them out, support them like they support us. Um, And Michaela, I'll come to you for your intro.
1: Yes, thanks, Hayley. Um, Yeah, my name is Michaela Wynn, host of this room, um, joint founder of the Women in Construction Awards with Hayley and owner of Design and Build. I was on The Apprentice since then. um, We've been trying to get a bit more equality in the construction industry and just more women in general there. Um, so I'm really excited about today's podcast with Gail um, to really find out how people can start making simple changes to be able to recruit uh, a more diverse team in the construction industry. Um, to you for an intro,
0: Thank you very much. Um, Yeah, as Michaela said, um, I'm one of the joint founders of the Women in Construction Awards, which, by the way, the nominations are now open for. So if you want to go to Women in Construction Awards website, you can make nominations in there. let's make someone's year next year at the awards Um, yeah so I've got a couple of businesses in construction I work in the renewables um, and energy saving tech space uh, predominantly around LED lighting and EV charging um, and yeah spend a lot of time helping as much as I can Michaela on her quest to create more Uh, diversity and inclusion within the construction industry. So conversations like this, super, super important. And yeah, looking forward to um, getting your view on that today, Gail. So we'll come over to you for your introduction and then we'll quiz you if that's all right. Yes,
2: that's fine. Um, So my name's Gail Blake and I head up construction and property um, recruitment um, for Hayes. Um, so Hayes is a big specialist recruiter, as far as we know, we're the biggest specialist recruiter in construction and property in the UK and Ireland. And I'm, I might, I don't, I don't know, and apologies if there is another lovely lady who, who is senior in, um, who runs a, a recruitment company or is senior within a recruitment company. But as far as I know, I'm the only woman that heads up um, with a recruitment, uh, you know, construction and property within recruitment. Um, so. I feel very, it's very, I'm going to be at home, I think, with you two today, because I feel incredibly passionate about um, diversity inclusion in construction. And there's such an opportunity, I think. But my own background was I joined Hayes back in 1999 and I started recruiting myself in civil and structural engineering. So my own background over 20 years has been in the recruitment of, in construction and property. Um, so it's, it's my life every day is what I do. And that's why, and we all work together and, and, and women in construction awards. And that's why I wanted haste to be the main sponsor of it back in, um, in September. I thought your ideas, both of you for, for running it were amazing. And that's why we got behind it because we, we really believe in what you're trying to achieve and it's what we're trying to achieve too. So, um, that's a little bit of introduction of me, apart from all of that, I'm also, um, a mum of three. Uh, juggling it and juggling a career. So um, I understand what it's like to be a woman in construction, because that's who I am too.
0: Oh, I absolutely love that. And I'm also a mum of three.
2: Um, there you go. <laughs> uh,
0: I think, do you know, when you, you have one child and you go, oh, this is a lot. And then you have your second and go, oh, I wonder what I used to do with the time I thought I didn't have. Then you have three and you go, okay, I'm, I'm absolutely screwed. Yeah? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have no time. But... You know, there's mums out there all over the place, absolutely balancing a career and family. and yes. We don't get the balance right all of the time, but that's not important, is it? Um, but
2: but that was, um, that's one of the things I loved, by the way, of your, I know we, we, we probably have to move on, but I, love, I loved your awards so much that both of you did in September, the Women in Construction Awards, because it was so human and it was so down to earth of practical things we can talk about As women in construction, I think that's part of the way we're going to get more balance is by actually talking about the fact that we have children and how do we balance those things. And, um, and I love that. And I think you probably both remember there was a moment where Sandy Reese Jones, who won the um, the, the lifetime achievement award. Started talking about she also has three children about how she balanced it and gave us all quite practical tips and i was sitting there with like mentally noting everything she said down of all the stuff she did um because because this is how we're going to change it we're going to change it by accepting that a lot of us also are our mums at home and and want to try and balance it and need to share top tips with each other don't we
0: a million percent and i know what i think this is really important so i'm not going to rush off this topic but yeah about four or five years ago i had um a call with like a, a, a bigger company that you know when I was a new business I really wanted to get in with them and I was dead excited and it was the school holidays when he booked this call with me so the children were in the kitchen and I've got, like tried to hide in the living room and I needed to be downstairs with them but as quiet as possible um, and the feedback afterwards when I rang for feedback to one of his colleagues was that he felt I was unprofessional because he could hear children in the background while I was trying to have a work call with him and we didn't get wow. any work with them. And I'll never, ever forget that I felt embarrassed at the time. And mm. as I've moved forward and built my business and, you know, been as successful as I'd, I'd like to have been with children in tow and in the background of Zoom calls and, you know, mentioning to people, oh, I'll have to shoot. I've got to go and pick the kids up or making that normal. I'm like, do you know what? No, mm. what? he should be so embarrassed of himself, not the other way around. <laughs> like- oh,
2: a hundred percent. and I- And I think that's how and that's why i really felt about the energy in the room at the awards was that there was so much joy but also no shying away from the real practical reality of what you have to do and i know that being a parent is not just obviously women both of us you know men and women are are, are parenting together um but i think it's about how we practically share ideas of how we do that and i and i think it's important as well that it's, we don't see ED and I in construction as a woman's issue. You know, it's, it's for us women to sort, sort it out. And what I loved again about the awards was I remember um, Noel McKee talking as a man about being the male ally and about things he as a man is standing up and making sure is happening so that so there is more diversity and people feel more included, whatever their background. So I think it's not just about us women, isn't it? It's about everybody in the construction industry saying you know, it's it, we need to do together to make this a destination career of choice. Um, and, and we'll do it together. We'll have to do it together because that's the only way we're going to do it, aren't we?
0: Oh, a million percent. And we, we say it week in and week out in this room how the most important people are the majority, the ones yeah. that think we're fighting against them. We're not. We need the men. We need them to help. We need to support. And going back to the joy in the room, maybe that could have been the from the kids that all the mums (laughs) had. Oh, nice. That um, openness of going, we're in this together and we're here together. And actually men understanding that we don't want to take their seat. We want to sit next to them at the table. Um, I suppose this brings us nicely into talking about um, the recruitment sector and the issues that we face around employing people who might want to go on maternity leave and what those packages look like and um, how it is more difficult when you, or some employers seem to make it more difficult to want to promote women over men because their breaks might come in those crucial periods and things. How do you navigate that kind of thing from a recruitment stance, Gail? Well,
2: well you, I mean, ultimately you cannot discriminate against somebody based on gender. Full stop, that's it you know, that, they're, they're, that, that is it. So, 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 and you cannot discriminate against anyone based on lots of other categories. And that's because we know that the more diverse a team, the better decisions that they will make. So it is, we know that businesses where there is different thought, um, will make better decisions in the long term, and there is better retention both of men and women in teams where they're more diverse. So it is not, uh, it is not, acceptable to discuss women's, or might I add, if you wouldn't ask a man in an interview, when do you intend to have children, then you can't ask a woman. And ultimately there's now shared parental leave. So ultimately now parental leave, not as we used to call it maternity leave, can be shared across, because again, based on the couple, we can't make an assumption that it it would or should be the woman. It's down to that couple to make that decision. So I I think that ultimately the biggest, I think there's lots of things we can do positively to encourage, um, gender diversity across construction. And I do think it starts with, um, good, strong role modeling so that, that other women can see, particularly I think younger women who are making their choices about their careers can see other women and think. Or or, this doesn't just go as far as women. This goes across all greater diversity across construction and property, full stop. But I think it's seeing other women, if it's if we were trying to talk about gender diversity and thinking, I will belong here. I will feel because I have to say back in September, when I was sitting in that room, I felt so many emotions. It was the best thing I've ever attended in 23 years of my career. And I, I kept thinking, why is that? What is it about this? that's so special. And it was joyful. Yes. But I felt. A room of inspiration and a room that I fitted in. Like I suddenly, from being someone in construction and property who often can be the only woman in the room, to to thinking like I, oh wow, I, I actually we're the majority tonight, and and I feel like that's I think that's quite important to any any young uh, ladies who are uh, and men who are thinking about construction as a, a career that it will attract both men and women if they see more diversity, and we know that in other countries. Um, for example, I know that in, in the Far East, most people on site are actually women, so, so it's, it's kind of what is it that we can do to, to role model and to show, and I think, by the way, you both did an amazing job that night of doing that, where you're showing this, these journeys and these stories, and that was some women who were very far ahead in their careers, but also people that apprentices that were starting their journey, and I think it's about how can we add a megaphone to that. And and really talk about so it becomes more normal to see women. I was on site by the way, um, quite recently, and you know I, as I checked into site, obviously site manager comes to get me, and and she's a woman, and 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 you know and I, and I want it to be that that isn't a surprise that 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 is just what's normal. And interestingly, she was saying to me that up until recently on the site she was running, she had a 50-50 split of men and women on site. Now, I can't help but believe that was because she herself was a woman and that role modeled other women to think, well, I'll go on to this site because I know there's a, does that make sense? So I think the more that we can role model and, and really give loads of examples of where women are being very successful um, and uh, in construction, it helps others to think I will belong here
1: too. Does that make sense? 100% yeah it's something that we we often talk about as well you you need that representation you know people and say the the old saying of you can only be what you can see, and um, there just isn't there isn't enough of it, unfortunately, in the construction industry. Which is why we, we do what we do with the with the awards and try and highlight it to to greater society as well. We we've done um, it, it's been on GB News covering the awards. It's it's going to be on again actually in the new year, um, talking about the awards to to reach other people who have maybe never even considered this as an option, and it's only you know a small thing that we started with just you know two women from Bolton who met on the internet and decided to try and make some change but i think if everybody has that approach and just does one small thing to try and make a bit of change then that's how they it will will get the snowball effect and um, what i'd like to do gail is carol's joined us on stage she's another one of our hosts so i'll just uh, let carol do an intro Um and she were a couple of minutes late, so I'll perhaps just catch her up on the convo carol are you around how are things what's you saying hello hello and apologies for being late um i was just about to share
3: out the room but i'll do that after i i um contribute it's such a good topic and you know you know me ladies um it's uh oh my god let's not need to get me started it's it's something that we we need to do and we keep trying to make inroads to improve it um it just triggered a conversation i think i shared it on linkedin michael and you you said that we need probably need to get that student on on a discussion for one week in the new year i was at uh, university a couple of weeks ago giving a speak to individual students that are doing the construction management course um, in southampton and interestingly there there was only a few females um quite a few females deciding to do the interior design side of the course and there was a few that actually said, no, I'm going to do civil engineering. Anyway, long story short, there was this lovely lady during question time. She said, "Um, I did a lovely work experience, really enjoyed. However, um, you know, I'm going to be qualified next year. And as a mother of, of two children, I can only look to do Um, part-time three days a week and she said I'm I'm just really scared because there seems to be a lot of blockers and barriers to her wanting to come in and work and she was very emotional as she was speaking because here's this working you know this mum that has you know gone through the realms of studying looking to do her passion into a male-dominated um you know so-called environment and she now knows that she's going to qualify and you know the blockers are well actually we don't we don't um, employ part-time and i just turn around and say look you know not all businesses are like that and you shouldn't see it as a block it's just i'd rather have and, and you know michaela hayley you would rather have somebody that can deliver quality in three days as opposed to someone that's watching their you know, the clock Monday to Friday and delivering crap and not committed to the course. But this is the type of things that even students are fretting as they look to then seek permanent employment.
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And I wonder, Gail, if you can shed any light on that, like if you have people who are coming to you, looking for jobs, who want part time and what the industry's response to that is like now.
2: I, I would say, actually, this is a really good time to um, if you are looking for work, actually. And I think, you know, they say that uh, sometimes necessity is a mother of, of invention. And given the skills shortage, there's a, there's a huge skills shortage in every profession at the moment. But um, in the construction industry, it's particularly acute because, you um, there's been suggestions, research has shown that, that, we, that, that about 750,000 EU workers in construction have left uh, during Brexit, and that's causing this real um, candidate shortage. So, so for, for, for candidates right now who are looking for work, they actually are in the driving seat because there just simply isn't enough people. So so actually, I think this is meant that we're starting to have conversations and it's great that you're mentioning this because the same is true as, as, and I know this is about about women, but it's also true about part-time is not always a a, a woman thing because we know that people may be coming towards the end of their careers, may not wish to work full-time, may also wish of both genders, may wish to work part-time. And therefore, again, they're fantastically able people, very highly skilled, who we can't as a construction industry afford to ignore, but they don't because maybe they just don't want to work full time at that point in their careers. So I think what's been good is it's meant that big companies are are absolutely open to people working flexibly. and And I think that's been great. And I think it's been a really good output of the fact that we are so short of talent in the construction industry. So, so I would say to that lady that you met, uh, Carol, in the university, um, to feel confident actually, and and not and not you know to that, that this she is still a very very good candidate, and in fact she will have lots of experience. I should imagine her time management, if she has children and she's been studying, is incredible, and I think she can turn that into a real positive. Of look what I have achieved while also managing my, my three children. And, and I think she could really sell herself actually on an interview with her life experience. So I would say for her to feel confident actually, um, and, and, and to put it out there and to say, this is what I can do because, um, she still has so much to offer in terms of the experience that she has. So I would say to feel confident. I also think the good news is, that, that now so many of, of big um, big companies within construction and property now have set themselves targets in terms of ed and so ultimately they know they need to get better and the good ones are setting themselves targets. So, so they will be, you know, the people like her, they should definitely, definitely apply because organisations will want to recruit people like her. So I would say it's um, it's a good time I, but I do appreciate it's so it, it's been it's um, it's something that's evolved, let's say.
3: I think you just hit a point though, You know, you know, when you say organizations are are doing things, I think in my experience, you know, over the last you know maybe you know couple of years, I, I think organizations need to do more to promote what they actually are doing. Um, be a little bit more vocal, you know, have more visual visual material. And and actually, you know, one of the questions was well, we don't see the likes of, you know, maybe Balfour B2 or the Big Kids. We don't see anything in the platforms that we live and breathe. And you've got to think, these are, you know, kind of the younger generations, you know, in the 20s up to early 30s. And a lot of those are just used to going into the likes of, Instagram or or Facebook or or TikTok. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, these companies have to have huge campaigns into those social space, but if the candidates or individuals that want to come into the sector don't feel or don't know where to look, or if they want to apply for a job, are hesitant when they go onto a, a website for the company and don't see anything that actually resonate or pulls them saying, actually, I feel that I can apply for this job because I, f- I can see a person that looks like me or you know, that I can fit in. I, I think there's a lot more visual evidence and-, and testimonies and story, things that companies need to show that they are doing or making a difference rather than doing it behind and, you know, you just stumble if you search for Edie and I, and oh, actually, they've got somebody that actually deals with that in their company now, with that in their job description. What do you think to that, girl? Yeah, I, I think that often it's there's some great um, case studies
2: that we know about, because we deal with a lot of these organisations. And you're right, I think it's about being proactive. Um, and I, I, I can only think that it'd be great PR for them to do it, actually, if they said openly, we do because because they often do have flexible working, so I think I think it's um, th- them seeing the benefit of even talking about it and putting it out there. But I think if you do speak to them, they they are very open minded actually. And I think for us, what we do is because obviously we're a recruitment company, we're, we're nationwide, and we've got lots of consultants. We've got three hundred and fifty consultants that work in facing this market. So we develop r- local relationships with with not just them, but smaller organisations as well. So we develop this real, you know, knowledge base of knowing, you know, who, who offers good flexibility um, and also who already have people that we can sort of give examples to that candidate and say, well, we know of these people that, that work part time. But I think in general, as an industry, we undersell ourselves, I think, and we don't say, oh, these are all the things, these are all the good news stories. Um, and, and I think we need to go, I think you're absolutely spot on Carol. I think we need to get better at sort of sharing those, those experiences. So that, so that the women and men who see it go, oh great. Well, if this, if this has been possible for this person, it'd be possible for me. And I think that's true though in general, isn't it in construction, we tend to under, underplay just how good we are at lots of things that we do. But I think you're absolutely spot on Carol, if we're going to change it. Then we need to make it clearer that, that there are already lots of examples of women who do work part time within construction and property so that it feels good for other people coming in.
3: Fantastic. No, fantastic. I'm actually just stalking you on LinkedIn. So so you'll probably see from LinkedIn
2: that I'm pretty passionate about this, that I just talk about um, women and, and Edie and I, I'm very passionate about Edie and I, not just because I'm a woman in construction, but because it's the right thing to do. It makes sense. It makes business sense. You retain people when you have a diverse team, you make better decisions. This is the right thing morally, but it's actually the right thing commercially to do as well. Um, but I'm passionate about, I'm also passionate about, very passionate about the, the role that construction is going to play in, in green and, and, and saving the planet. And if we're gonna do that, it's gonna be one boiler at a time. It's going to be, you know, that's... And so we need more women to come into, um, you know, being plumbers and being low carbon, um, you know, working in the low carbon economy. And we don't have enough people of any gender doing that. So the last thing we can afford to do as a construction industry is to ignore 50% of the population who could be trained up to help us in, in achieve net carbon zero. So I think given the skill, skill it, like I said, morally it feels right thing to do, but commercially in terms of what construction needs to deliver on behalf of the UK over the next few years, we have to make sure that we uh, make it as easy as possible for women to want to use this as want to come into this as a career.
1: And um, Gail, on that point, also 51% we are, Gail. Um, not, yes. Not oh, good, good. Yes. <laughs> <That is great. laughs> when the majority say that, yes. it's, it just it seems mad anyway. Like anybody would um, de- decrease the size of the net when they're going to be fishing for new talent and just go to one tiny little pool and, and not widen that. I do feel like personally, and I'm hoping you can give us some insight on that, like we're i'm seeing more companies now who are acknowledging all different (laughs) types of candidates acknowledging that diversity is a thing it is important and how can they go about it? So two questions. Number one, are you seeing this change within uh, construction companies? And number two, how are they implementing this change? So more so for the for the smaller businesses, the micros, the SMEs, what advice could you give to, to those listeners of the podcast if they wanna say, right, okay, yeah, I wanna recruit more diversity, what would be some good first steps?
2: Ooh, good question. Um, I would say back to the role modeling, People need to see from the outside in. And I think Carol explained that very well, because the first thing what uh, anyone would do is they'll probably go and look at the website and they'll go and look at exactly what she's doing to me right now. She's looking at LinkedIn, she's looking at my page, look at the company's page and looking generally on social media and doing their research. That's the way most people will start any form of job hunt. So my question to anyone listening who would like to have more diversity is, what does your social media say about you now? is does it look diverse and remember this isn't just going to help you to attract more women this is going to help you to attract more men because everybody wants to work on more diverse teams so so what does your social media what does it look like if someone was going to research your organization now which they will that's how most people will make a decision as to whether to apply or not they won't just go onto the internet and see a job board they'll probably if they know who the organization is they'll actually go and and even if they're going for a job board or recruitment company, very quickly, they'll say, who is it? Because it's a very, isn't it? It's quite cliquey, I think, construction and property. Most people know most people. So they'll probably very quickly say, well, who is it? Who is this organisation in my local area? And so it's it's really important that do you make is it very clear? Because I think Carol was right. She was spot on, actually, that for lots of people, they don't make it clear, actually, that that, that everybody is welcome. And people are, you know, it's all about, it's not often about the written word. It's about what they can see. Are your pictures showing diversity that are on your website? Because people often are drawn to the pictures before they're drawn to the text. When a lot of organisations have things like, you know, showing our local event, we did this event, or we raised money for this, or this is the day we had with our charity partner. They're not also, they're not just looking at the official photos. They'll be checking out, you know, what stuff have they got up to recently? And again, when they're looking at those photos, do they look diverse? And so, and, I, and again, as Carol sort of said, sometimes you have to actually go to their sort of ed page, or D, some people call it DE&I page. Well, do you need to do that? Or is there anywhere else? You, could it be more obvious? Could it be on the front page? So I think, as you said, I think it's about championing and putting it front and center. And, and also saying we, we were committed um, to ed or DE&I. And we absolutely welcome applications from everybody, and I think you have to be proactive. Don't assume everyone knows that you be open-minded. Say it. Say that you're open-minded. Say if you've got a target, a lot of organizations, particularly big uh, contractors, bidding contractors, or any of the big consultancies, have um, gender targets. Well, say what it is then. If you've got it, say it. Because if you've got it, I think that's such a positive step to say, we know, we know we're not as good as we need to be. We want to get better. We get that we're going to make better decisions if we have got a more diverse team. So say it, say what your target is and say what your progress is towards that target. Because I think then any, anybody male or female that's wanting to work in a gender balanced organization will go, wow, they do really take this seriously. This isn't just them, you know, doing the right thing. They're actually trying to tracking it. They're measuring it. They're obviously going to get this done. So I think if any my advice would be really put it out there and say and if you've got, for example, some organizations have women's networks or LGBTQ plus BAME um, or a different networks within an organization, talk about them, say what they're doing, say what actions, how they're being supported by senior leaders in the organization to try and bring, uh, because it's all one well, a good saying you've got a target, but how, what are you doing about it? So so explain your journey, explain what you're doing about it, because the more you're doing that, the more the person who's trying to research you is in their head is going, oh, this is for real. This is for They're they're not just saying that this is for real because they've set a target and they're sharing with me how they're getting there and what their journey is. So I would say really highlight why it matters to you, what you're doing about it and show role models. And if you can try and put any sort of case studies of, of, of women or anyone from underrepresented minorities who are on you know th- that mean that you have a more balanced workforce and know that that's going to attract. I, I was on this amazing uh, meeting with a, a client about two months ago and he's in civil engineering and he has nearly 50 50 um, balance in his team. And I was talking to him about why he thought people would come and work for him. And he and it's weird. He didn't actually think for him straight away that that would be a big attraction to men and to women. I was like, oh, my goodness, you should that should be the first thing you say to people, the fact that he's nearly a 50 50 in a team. I was saying that would be that would attract both men and women. My goodness, say that, say that straight away to anyone. But I think sometimes he doesn't he didn't necessarily think that would be something that would that would be attractive. And it, and it really is. So, so I think it's about really push, putting out there um, how important it is to you as an organisation. Don't, don't put it in the small print, as I think Carol was kind of saying it might be on a certain page buried somewhere, put it right at the start. And if you're working with recruitment consultancies like Hazel or any others, say to them, this is, we take this seriously, can I share with you this is what our target is? And, and it really matters. Now what we can't do is discriminate, what we have to do is give you the best candidate we have. But I think that what you'll find is when people come to interview, and they have choices which mo- ev- most candidates will have choice because we're a skill short industry so they'll normally have a choice if you've really emphasized it throughout your selection so through interview process through all the interactions you've had when that person's coming to make that decision the fact that you'll have emphasized it more than anybody else might just give you that competitive advantage and we know that working in a diverse team is one of the biggest reasons people join organizations so definitely do it all the way through is what
1: i'd say yeah, I think that's really, really great advice, and especially around the social media piece. And if you've got the culture right, encouraging your staff to be posting about it as well from their point of view. So it's not just whoever is in your marketing department saying, Oh, we do this, that, and the other, but actually the staff who are, who are working there to say, you know, to champion your business, if indeed it is a good business. I know you give um, a brief example there, but I wondered if you had any. Other examples, um, you may not, and that's fine, but any other examples of, of that happening, of you being part of that process of somebody saying, we need to recruit more diverse talent, this is where we're at, and then whatever, two years later, that's where that's where they're at now. Do you have any examples of that?
2: Yeah, I mean, we can't discuss, obviously, I can't name specific clients, but yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, the, the good news is, is that behind the scenes, because we're working with them to advise them and to help them, then the absolutely, um, uh, the good news genuinely is that lots, particularly here, we're talking the big tier one contractors, big consultancies, absolutely have set targets, absolutely have, and are not just setting targets, really, really trying to think, how can we portray ourselves in a different way? How can we go and network and show and go and find people so that, that it is, we've got more pipeline of people coming in. You can't force anyone to take a job, but you can certainly try and attract them, put it that way and and really show that who you are and and that your values are that you get why diversity is so important and and that you're encouraging and and that you are prepared i think going back to what we were all saying at the start about being working mums that you that you're flexible and you get that that there could be and this isn't just about women it could be men as well that that as a working parent you may need flexibility And we also get the dynamic of construction being on site and that being more challenging in some roles, less challenging in others where some some roles you could work a little bit at home and others, it would be almost impossible to do that. But but understanding that, um, you know, that, that, that you might you have other time pressures and there might be issues around childcare and and just coming up with practical solutions around that. And I think just being kind and compassionate and understanding that. That there are different dimensions and if you it's one thing hiring a woman and we're talking a lot about hiring better diversity there's another thing retaining and if you you know you can't it can't just be um you can't just say it and not back it up because people then just will just leave because they, you, 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 they, they it didn't do what it said on the tin you know so you've got to actually back it up and be flexible but but I think actually, Michaela, when we were at the at the Women in Construction Awards, we saw that because all those lovely winners who did just beautiful speeches spoke a lot, I think, about their own employers and how they had shown real flexibility in in. I remember one lady, I can't remember whether the big, she was one of the big contractors said that, you know, she remembers when she was potty training one of her children in lockdown during meetings it Just because it's just what had to happen. And, and I think that, that you know, and I think her employer to have supported her through that stage, you know, because it, it happens, that, that you're just kind of going, well, that was wonderful. And, and in the room, you're just going, well, this is an employer that really understood that she was at home. She was a working mum. She was going through some stuff. then they absolutely supported her. Now, not only that they attracted her, they'll retain her and lots of others if they continue to be so open-minded and supportive. So I think you're right in that the, your current staff can do a lot to say as my lived experience working for this organisation is that as a woman or as a, a, you know, someone from the LGBTQ plus community or BAME or, or any community, I feel that I am included and here's the flexibility and this is my lived experience. And this is what I've experienced because they've understood that I need maybe some flexibility in certain ways. So I think my advice would be to any organisation is and again, we're you know, we're on social media now and, we're t- and social media is so important. And getting a message across is can you get your current employees to show what their lived experience is like? Because that makes it that's a massive um, that will help to reinforce it's not just, you know, just just words on a page. It's actually something that's, that's for real.
1: Yeah, we do that. We we really uh, encourage our staff to to push the messages out there, to talk about the personal life, to try and attract people who are similar to them, who we want to do business with. Um. So yeah, I think it's super important. I have had a question in the um in the comments section from Kane, and it's a really valid question and kind of the voice of men who are currently in the industry who are perhaps concerned as well. So I never. I think it should um, really go unheard. So thanks, Kane, for putting this in. I'll just read it out to you, Gail. Um, Does having a target put men off applying? I know of some people who feel that opportunities are sometimes offered out based on gender equality. This very much may not be the case, but pushing the gender message may carry this risk. I fully agree with social images being inclusive. What is your opinion? Because that is, this is a strong opinion. This is something that people say not openly, but it is a concern. They will talk about this. And if we do not have the men on side and they don't understand the benefits of this and they're growing more and more concerned, then will this actually put men off applying to that organisation?
2: And absolutely not because um, you cannot, just to repeat, you cannot discriminate against anybody based on gender. And that that goes both ways. So so Kane doesn't need to worry because the best candidate gets the job. You cannot discriminate either way. So the the other thing of course is, is that we're in a skill short market. There just simply aren't enough candidates to go around. So, so encouraging more women from outside of the construction industry into the construction industry is only one part of that. We need more men. We need more of either gender to come and consider construction because it is an industry that has more jobs than it has people to fill it. So so as, as an industry, full stop, what we need to do is, a, is is attract both genders into it. And for them to see that this is a great industry, we change lives in construction because we build their homes. We build the hospitals that, makes, that make people well. We build schools where people are educated. We build the roads that allow people to go from A to B, see so loved ones will go to work. We actually make a difference to people's lives. We can't do all of those things if we don't have people that choose this as an industry. So we absolutely want both genders to feel that this is a place where they can thrive and that what they do has purpose because it really does have purpose. And so for me, we want more of everyone and we want everyone to feel welcome. And LGBTQ+, we want them to feel welcome because there's an amazing amount of the population that we don't want to exclude. Similarly, people that feel that they're coming towards the end of their careers, but still have so much to offer. We don't want them to feel either that they aren't welcome in our industry. So I think I would never want anyone to feel they aren't welcome in construction and property because we have to deliver net zero. That's the biggest threat to the planet right now is net zero. And as a construction industry, we'll be we'll doing that. We've got, we're the people that make sure when you turn a tap on that clean water comes out and dirty water is taken away, we can't afford to turn anybody away. We want everyone to choose this as an industry. So Kane, I hope that you feel very welcome and that you would never be put off because we don't wanna put anyone off. We want everyone to to join us, to be honest, I think.
1: Yeah, do you know what, Gail? I really love your, your passion for the industry and just pointing out all the positives. It, it, I think constantly putting this message out really does help to change society's perception of the industry and explaining that there, you know there's value and you, you can feel good about yourself and the changes that you're making to people's lives whilst working in construction. It isn't all just about digging holes and site banter. There's there's a lot more to the construction industry. Um, yeah, it comes across really, really great. I love it. Carol, I'll, I'll come to you. Do you have any questions for Gail? I'm conscious that I've just been, like, asking a million. Is there anything like No.
3: Left? You know me. Michaela, all good questions. And it's, as I said, it's a great topic. We could actually have a, a fireside chat for the rest of the afternoon on this. Um, and it was just a point that you you mentioned, Gail, about the um, the Women in Construction Awards. And, and you know what? That That is one of my... Biggest highlights of this year, you know what M- Michaela and Haley did in terms of p- pulling that all together, is when each um, person, you know, female walked up on stage, and you know, you could see when their names were called out, you know, the kind of, you know, you just felt the overwhelm for them that you know they have actually. Been recognised, and you know to come up on the stage and tell this story was incredible. I know when I presented the award, you know the late she just didn't want to say anything. She she was like, no, I can't. But I said, it's your your time, and uh, just weaving that back in. I think you know again, you know I I. Sit, sit in a big corporate organization so i'm in construction tech and i they've we've now formed what's called a diversity and belonging um, steering committee and um the whole month of november we were interviewing what we call diversity champions so you know as a steering group we set across the strategy and we've got three four work streams that we work towards and we then have champions that you know are going to be tasked with doing certain well basically being the eyes and ears on the ground to discuss with all the other five hundred five thousand you know people within the business now the key thing and i think you you touched on it is is data you know we're talking about these organizations to demonstrate or what are you actually doing but the thing is it's the data and you know something like when somebody applies for a, for a position, and that, that you know, there's all those statutory questions. And Miguel, you, you'll know from a recruitment perspective, you know, what gender are you, what ethnicity, all of that. If that doesn't get completed, it's really, really hard to measure. And you know, in in large organisations such as ours, we, you know, we're only at a, a level of maybe. Of, I think it's about 55% that gets actually completed because you, you can't make it mandatory. But how else are you going to measure whether you're creating a diverse um, working environment? You know, how do you measure that people that get the senior roles are of a certain calibre? Yes, we know that the right person gets the job. But how are you measuring that you're you're making it a fair and equal place to employ, and the same thing goes in into construction, so the data is important, but then going back to making it be a safe place for a female if she's got an issue it, you know who does she go to? who does she go and speak to you know if her her leader is is male or you know she doesn't feel that she can come and have a a discussion how does she you know, how does she have that confidence that she can go and have that open space discussion? And I just wonder, you know, from a recruitment perspective, and I've heard this before, that the candidates now are actually making sure they have their own checklist before they say, actually, yes, I want to go for that job. So are absolutely. you seeing that more?
2: Oh, absolutely, and this is the, this is the thing, because the market is such that um that the candidate is in the driving seat and i think this is this is great because absolutely they will go in with a checklist and the the, and and a lot of that is around um, the the company having the right values and diversity and not just gender diversity diversity in all its you know all the aspects of diversity is 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 right up there in terms of what will help them to make the decisions so, so being able to articulate what your diversity story—not just gender, but all diversity story—is, and and as you said, what what get me, what gets measured gets done. So, being able to say this is the target, this is where we are up to on that journey, and this is the actions we're taking to improve our diversity over you know over the long term—they need to be able to articulate that because I should imagine that will be a question that will be asked, and and. It is the top three, you know, absolutely questions people will often ask us, and will ask in as part of a selection process. Is what are your goals? What are you trying to achieve? And what are you doing about it? So um, I think again, it gives you that competitive edge in a very, very candidate short market as an employer. If you're able to articulate exactly what you're doing and, and where you're up to on that journey.
1: Oh, sorry, I, I, sorry girl. I think Carol's just taken a call. I was expecting her to, to, to still with her, but I think she's just taken a call um, on her work phone. Um, yeah, you, you know what? All, again, really, really great p- points, um, really important for employers to be hearing this as well. Uh, what I'd also like to touch on, because what what's difficult is if you currently are in a position, there's you've got 20 people working for you, and they're just all white men, because that's the typical candidate pool. That is what it is. How can you, two questions again, number one, how can you say actually we're we're trying to change it and we understand this what's the best approach for that because you can't take pictures of somebody who isn't there and number two on um untransferable on skills and recruiting out of the industry mm. how can people um like what's some tips and advice what should they be looking for how is this possible you know because they, they have a selection of we want you to do X, Y, and Z, we want you to do the job but in a candidate shop market, um, we know that recruiting from other industries can be really beneficial. So how can people also go about that? So um, I think in terms of the
2: first answering in the first bit, if you are in an organization where there isn't any diversity, um, then I think you have to own the fact and acknowledge the fact that you don't, but, but say quite upfront, this is something we're aware of. Because I think as a, a candidate coming in, your biggest worry would be, goodness me, do they, don't, do they not even realise this is slightly strange that, that, that in a, as you, I think someone said it's 20, 51% women of the population, why is it there isn't any here? And I think that you would, I would recommend absolutely being upfront and, and acknowledging it because the bigger worry would be if a candidate thought you thought that wasn't a problem. So I think if you say straight away, this is something we're really working on, um, and and you put that out there, because you're right, you can't take pictures of people who aren't there, but you certainly can say, we're not comfortable with the fact that, that they're not there. And we want, and we welcome, and we'd like people. And I think this goes back to what Carol was saying at the start, you, you can't just be buried in an EDI page. That's got to be front and center of saying, it's something we really would want, because we know that it, it uh, means that the more diversity and the more successful they are, and the more harmony there is so let's let's work on that um so then the second question you asked was all around how do you attract people from outside the industry into the industry and i think that that of any gender but obviously making it everyone feel welcome and i think that it's back to that understanding if someone is maybe retraining there's two parts to it is 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 the person first of all a, a student and therefore making a first career or are we talking about second careers if we're talking about first careers I think that as an industry as a whole we've got to get better at 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 showing the benefits of the of what we do and that goes back to what i was saying earlier about the impact it has on society because i think this this generation um, are very interested in the the value and and the purpose of what they do and I think really talking about, well, you know, you switch your tap on and the clean water comes. Well, yeah, that, yeah, we do that. And you know that road you just went on, well, we, we build that as well. And you know that school you went to, that university you went to, well, that, that yeah, we built that as well. And I think seeing the purpose, well, you, you can't run a hospital ward if water's pouring through the ceiling. So on a very practical level, we keep things going, we keep things moving. So I think it's trying to show the value and purpose of what we do. And I think... I think because construction is so fragmented, if you think of construction property, there's so many different institutions, everything from rebirth all the way through to and to, to CIOB. And I think because we don't have one institution that speaks for everybody. We, we sometimes are too disjointed and what we need is a unified approach to, to go to schools and talk, and not just make it that it's boys that think this is an industry they'll fit in on but actually that girls can see that there's that there's plenty of other women actually and that's what i loved about the awards was that you walked in a room and you just realised quite how many women were in the industry it's brilliant so we need to think first of all get for the first you know people for choosing their first careers to, to get out there and say this is we have a real purpose as an industry and we're going to have our purpose in in society is going to grow even bigger when we try and solve net zero so so come and if you care about the if you care about green and the green economy, come and come and help us solve this this problem. So I think we need to get out there and start talking to kids a lot earlier and, and of every diversity to say you are very welcome in this industry. I think when we start talking about second careers and retraining, I think that we obviously then it's around. Can you as an organization financially support that person to retrain? Because if you can and support them as they go through college and and go through qualifications, then, then, and maybe work part time for you during that time, that person in that, of course, you can then do what you need to do in terms of pay so that, you know, at the end of the day, if you put put out there in terms of helping and supporting the skills that you have time to, to make sure they're committed to working for you for certain set times, you get effectively it's it commercially, it makes sense for you to do it. But I think that the more you can do that and the more sensitive and flexible you can be giving the example Carol gave earlier about the the lady on the construction management course with children, the more that you can be flexible about it, the more that that then you will attract people to really think about it, because this is a great industry to work in. You know, we're going to every single home will need to be changed to be net carbon zero. That means changing everyone's boilers. That means insulating their roofs. That means, you know, that's just on a home front, never mind every office building, every school, hospital, etc. So much work's coming in. We've got HS2, we have so many projects happening with this in the industry that, that it's a great career and it's a long-lasting career for a lot of people. But but we have to be mindful that if you can afford it, please try and support them through reskilling. Um, and and I think you'll find you'll you'll create a very, very loyal person to you um, as a member of staff. And like I said, it's not always about attracting, it's also about retaining. And I don't think we talk enough sometimes about how you retain people.
1: Yeah, do you know what? It's a great point as well with with regards to the reskill and then the loyalty that people feel from that. Um, The fact that you've spent the time and money to attract this person, to train them, they're gonna feel more loyal to that business if everything else within the organization is as it should be. Um, And it's just so expensive losing people and then going through the whole recruitment process, retraining people, getting them to fit in with the culture and blah, 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 it's all so expensive and so, also time consuming so there does need to be a real focus on that I think I read a study a couple of weeks ago and it was saying the average age for women um, leaving the industry now is 42 um, mm. and it's I, I think this is and what the study was leaning towards is because there, there just wasn't enough women at the top so they wasn't seeing any potential for career progression and they were, and it's just tragic they they're leaving and going to other industries where they feel like they they'll be able to thrive and I know a few women personally personally personally, who have not left the industry, but they've ended up leaving organisations because they just hit glass ceilings. And Mm. I just think how tragic for those companies that then they've gone somewhere else, they've taken that next step up and they're doing amazing work for another company after being with you for 10 years, one of them. Mm. And that it's just, it's it's so bizarre that these bigger companies especially aren't getting that right yet. So I wondered as well, if you had any advice or information or thoughts on, um, I, I know your recruitment, not necessarily retaining, but perhaps recruiting women into leadership roles from other organisations. What's the thought process be, be behind them leaving one company and going to another? And is there enough businesses currently who are looking to recruit women at these higher level jobs?
2: Yeah, I, I think that the, the the targets that most people have is at every level, um, and so it's not restricted to, to you know it's it's all all the way through. And I think that it's sad to hear actually about uh, women um, perceiving that there is a glass ceiling, which is why I think that internal narrative is as important as the external narrative. So as much as you want to attract the candidates, like like Carol mentioned at the start, those external people coming in, what are you doing to inform your own staff in order to retain them of where you are in your journey? because I think that that that's I think we know that there are 13% of, of uh, people in the construction industry are women so we know we, I think we're all very aware of th- that it's something that needs to change and I think we all we get that it's going to take time but what we want to see is progress I think we're patient that it's going to take time but we're impatient to see at least that we're on a journey and I think that's probably where a lot of women sit so I think that that as an organization, you have to, if you're going to retain them, you're going to have to keep explaining what you're doing about it. Not just you've set a target, but we've actually, we've done this about it. And and these are the things, these are the measures that we're trying to achieve because ultimately, um, just as regardless of gender, people have a skill set that is suited towards leadership. We don't want people to feel that gender would be a reason that would stop them the best person for the job should get the job, regardless of their the gender, sexuality, race, etc. cetera. Um, so so I think that I think you you've got to keep telling people that you care about this journey, but also share the data of what you're doing about it. And 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 if you're going to keep them, because we want, we're gonna to need to keep growing female leaders with the construction. I mean I personally mentor three women because in the construction industry because that's me trying to play my role in, in feeling like I need to do that for women. And I want to, uh, willingly do it because I feel that's my way I can help to, to keep women in the industry and, and to, to show them that you can get through it. You know, there's times when your children are very young, that it feels like you just have to keep your head down and just keep going. And, and, and it does get easier, but, I'm doing that personally because I feel that's one of the things I can do to really contribute. But also, could that that be something within your organization where you get a senior woman to mentor a more junior woman to show that, you know, help them to develop those leadership skills that they need? I'm not saying for any reason, by the way, a man couldn't mentor a woman. Um, But I know that I've had both male and female mentors and I had a female mentor when I had my in between having my second son and my third son. And I think she was amazing um, because I remember one day I, I was, you know, I was really struggling. I'd just come back from my third maternity leave. And I remember her just saying to me, she just went, how much sleep do you get last night? And I was like, three, four hours. And she went, do you know what? Just sleep on it and see how you feel in the morning. And it was so true. All I needed was a good night's sleep. But it was because she was a mum herself, She understood how that felt. So I think if you have got women who can mentor other women, Um, I'm not saying that a man couldn't do it because I know men who co-parent completely understand what it's like to be sleep deprived, but if it's possible for more senior women, I certainly had a, had a woman at one point as a mentor. And I know that's why I personally play it forward. And I have, I mentor women because I want to be able to share that same almost wisdom myself, you know, and all those little kind of shortcuts and all the things we all learn as we kind of try and navigate this. And I don't want women to leave construction as an industry. I want them to stay because that's how we're going to change it is by keeping them. So that's kind of my own personal way I do it. But um, I think the more that all of us could do that for each other um, and to know that there are lots of organisations, if, if the one that you're at isn't like that, there are plenty that are that will that are absolutely committed and want women and will make you feel at home. So don't don't feel you have to stay if you're not happy is the other thing I would say.
1: Yeah, again, really great point, um especially around mentorship. and Just having somebody who's shared a similar lived experience to you, I, I Somebody was on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and they advised you should have a female mentor when you're a woman in construction, but a male coach um, to, to help you through it, you know, and I, I guess get a more rounded approach on your advice as well. But yeah, I think it, it's super important, somebody you can lean on or you can go to, they don't even necessarily need to be within the Organisation, there's so many mentorship programs now that'll match you up with people. Um, so, great advice for women to be out there and try and go to find one. I know Carol's got um, a final question for you, so I'll, I'll hand over to Carol.
3: Oh, thanks, Michaela and Gail. They're doing an absolutely great, great room. And I don't know where the time's gone, but as you, we know, it's a great, great conversation anyway. But um, no, thank you ever so much. And just, you know, in terms of, we know that. Um, you know, from a construction perspective, when you're tendering for for work, evidencing that you are an inclusive and can show that you were, you know, X amount of women, X amount of diverse within your organisation, going forward is going to be key because contractors need to ensure, you know, well, they want to make sure that they're playing, you know, the right way in terms of, yes, can you deliver the work, but, you know, have you got diverse... Um, workforce to help deliver a successful project, so that's all great. Um, my final question, Gail, is: What does twenty twenty three hold for you? what What's your What's your next mission? mission
2: Ooh, what, what a great question. <laughs> um, I think uh, for me, it's um, continuing um, the the kind of the the two real passion projects that I have. And that's, um, as you probably can see, if anyone wants to go and find me, Gail Blake on LinkedIn, you'll see it because it's all over my LinkedIn feed. The, the two things I really care a lot about, which is diversity and inclusion in the construction industry. And we're going to be part of the uh, Women in Construction Awards next year, which I think, as we've talked about, was just so impactful and meaningful and amazing and just joyous and all those things. But But a wider point is um, to me, it's, it's really, it doesn't just make, as I said it before, it doesn't just make, um, you know, moral sense. It makes absolute commercial sense. We've got to bring more diversity. So I think to me, that's, that's, that's something I want to continue working on and, and, and helping, um, the organizations we work with to find that diverse talent, but also to help people of all backgrounds to feel very welcome and to help them to get them, get them jobs in construction. So that's the first one. The second one is I'm very passionate like about green stuff like really really care um so if you go on linkedin you'll see pictures of my son little seventh birthday party they didn't have a normal party bag i bought like little wildflower seeds and all sorts um so i I, for me i know that net carbon zero is such a big thing for the construction industry and i think helping clients to navigate that and we we are going to deliver it it's not going to be glamorous it's going to be one boiler at a time and you know, and, and, and you know, one roof insulated at a time. But but I think it's just so important for the next generation. So I think in a work context, I would say those two. In a private context, I, um, I'm i a really big yoga person. So um, I love yoga. So I'll be, I'll be hopefully doing lots of yoga next year. That's my little personal kind of little goal as well. That's my, <laughs> so there you go.
0: Oh, oh
3: that's lovely, Gail. It's absolutely been an absolute pleasure having you on, on the uh, the show this afternoon. And uh, yeah, we are just slightly over half past one mark. So I'd like to say a massive thank you to Gail Blake. Do check out her profile on LinkedIn. Um, I'd like to say a big thanks to Michaela and Hayley for conducting this room every single week uh, for the whole of 2022. And again, a big shout out to our sponsors, big duck, the links at the top of the room. They have been absolutely you know passionate about supporting what the ladies have been doing to to promote women in in business. So it's been a great year. Um, Do check out the podcast because every single week or every time we do these rooms, there is a recording that you can catch up on demand. And uh, yes, just listen to some of the great speakers we've had during the year as well. So um, it is the 16th of December. And this is the last room of 2022. So we thank everyone in the audience um, that have been regular contributors to the, the room every single week during 2022. There's some exciting things coming up for the new year and uh, do check out design and build website because it's very much promoting what's happening with the women in um, construction and the wards that's been uh, promoted for next year as well there's some great um, sponsorship opportunities but also nominating individuals that we believe that are still out there that need to get their time to sparkle as well so without further ado thank you everyone thanks gail michaela and for everyone that's joined us this week and during 2020 have a smashing christmas great new year and look forward to seeing you in the new year
1: wow carol that was the brilliant clause that is the best clause you've ever done i love that well done I just want to say thanks very much as well, Gail, um, from both me and Haley for taking the time to come on and um, yeah chat with us. And hopefully it will help some businesses who, who really help need the help at the moment um, attracting more diversity into the business. Thanks very much.
2: No worries. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Welcome to Women in Construction, proudly sponsored by Big Doug, the UK's leading storage experts. From garage shelving to industrial racking, office chairs, desks and packing, they've got it covered. Visit bigdog.co.uk for mega deals and discounts.